Welcome listeners to another episode of Disco Fever, Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery, Episode 9, Terra Firma, Part 1. And once again, the two marks are delivering an irreverent review, providing you lively debate, conversation and social commentary. Will Giorgio phase out of existence, back to the future style? Has Burnham and Giorgio visited the planet Narnia? Will Giorgio meet Mr. Tumnus as she passes through the discount wardrobe? Will Tilly live up to her nickname and kill all the crew? <laughs> all this and much more unpacked in this week's episode. Let me introduce my friend and co-host, Mr. Mark Pollard. All right, mate. <laughs> I'm laughing whilst cleaning me cinnamon bun bits out of me teeth which i was shoveling into my mouth before we got going are you well i am good i'm much better now i've got a cinnamon bun inside me that's what she said <laughs> <laughs> that's good to know uh, last night i had four e's that was a tough hand at scrabble You have no idea how much stuff we have to edit out because of the sheer stupidity of some of the stuff that comes out of our mouths. This is about the fifth attempt at trying to do that particular bit, and we still managed to mess it up. Oh, right, zone ourselves. We need to be professional about this, Mr. Latham, because uh, we've got an episode to discuss. We have. Before that, we've got some comments. <laughs> we've been banging on about it for weeks and weeks and weeks, desperately trying to get people to comment in, and we've got some. I feel we shouldn't forget and forget go that section because it might slightly detract from the benefit that we've been trying to enjoy by getting people to do it shall i read them out that'll be nice obviously i've prepared this as well as i have my notes organized yeah <laughs> first and foremost we had a comment from matt hughes guest of the show the picard talk episode hi matt he was commenting on the shit show that was the last episode and if you don't know what we mean then listen to that episode and brace yourself he said i'm not being funny but those locusts move at such a slow pace they could have been collected in a large net and sent back to the sea quite easily. I mean, obviously they weren't prepared to do that because they had to get the permission of said locusti or loci or whatever the hell a plural is for a floating neon thing. I absolutely agree there. Thank you for your comment, Matt. We had a comment from Colm H01 who said now this was a, from a couple of episodes ago and I promptly forgot to mention it he says Tilly is a people teaser so I'm not sure why they did this beyond the fact she is a popular character I can't see Tilly ordering someone to do something she knows will kill them this whole season is a bit meh the Vulcan Romulan episode was good but the whole love life angle on a ship in a ship means they've gone from ensemble episodes to Michael Lover Saru episodes the rest of the cast are just there. We quite agree with that, don't we? That's a lot yeah. of what we've been saying. So, Colm, we're on your team there, son. Robert Doyle. It's not something you buy in a sex shop, but Robert Doyle said, made me jump when I heard my name on the last episode. The Master of Body Horror reference was to David Cronenberg. It was a style of movies that are mostly considered as body horror, e.g. The Fly, Dead Ringers, Rabid, and The Brood, to name a few. He's classic horror. He also said, just to add, I'm really enjoying the shows and your banter and looking forward to seasons one and two of discovery when they are released well 
well, Robert Doyle. They should be released sometime in 2032 when Mark's finishing editing them. It's good to hear that someone other than my mum is listening to these shows. It is, yeah. Thank you for the comments. They are long overdue. Indeed. Thank uh, you very much for those comments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring them on. Bring them more. Particularly people who don't agree with us. I want some lively debate. Well, that's part of the show. In fact, why not ask us some questions? Obviously, make them easy if they're directed towards me and if they're directed towards Mark, quite frankly, make them really difficult. But let's make him work really hard. <laughs> and if you make them too difficult for me, I'll just pass them on to Mark because he never checks the messages anyway, so he won't know any different. <laughs> we should explain then how you can get in touch on the social medias. That's where the guys we've just mentioned, who thank you very much for your comments again, got in touch. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter on at Picard Talk. You can email us Picard Talk at thepodstation.co.uk, although social media seems like a, a far easier way of doing it. Indeed, there was a poll that we throw up each week after every episode to give everybody a chance to comment on that previous episode. It'll be interesting to see what the results were for the last episode, which we gave what would be described in other terms as a right royal kick-in. 50% of you thought this episode was like being eaten by locusts, which is, suffice to say, they didn't like it. 33% said it was a nice stamets, which meant it was quite nice and they liked it. And 17% thought it was a Colbert smooch, i.e. they loved it. I'm not sure what episode those 17% were watching, but I vehemently disagree. Probably the credits. <laughs> oh, hang on. In fact, we've got another comment here. Captain Mando's back. Whee! Captain hey! Mando. He said, I thought it was a very solid episode. Just a solid A to B episode. And that was actually kind of refreshing. It had some action. But what this season is doing better is slowing down and having character moments. So, Captain Mando, love the fact that you've given us a comment. You're utterly wrong in every sense of the word. <laughs> And we fundamentally disagree with you. And I've just demoted you from Captain to Lieutenant Commander. <laughs> yeah, obviously Captain Mando preferred the episodes that we fundamentally dislike and maybe he fundamentally dislikes the ones that we do like, which is wonderful because opinions are like arseholes. We've all got them. I think I'm going to get you a shirt with that printed on for our <laughs> merchandise range. <laughs> Oh, mind, I've even stolen that. Uh, so, shall we discuss this episode, then? I'll give you the, su- the synopsis. The oh, well, Siri wants it. Hey, Siri, you'll have no. to get in contact with us on social media or via email. Of course, if you want to sponsor us as well, pick our talk at thepodstation.co.uk. We often forget to mention that because we love your money. Oh, yes, bring it on. Let's have some dilithium. Uh, shall I give you the synopsis? Fucking hell, Siri. Do you want to do the synopsis, dickhead? I think Siri wants to sponsor the show. In fact, I should stop saying it because he keeps on switching himself on. Right, Mark, quickly do the synopsis. (laughs) This week's synopsis. The crew journey to a mysterious planet in hopes of finding a cure for Giorgio's deteriorating condition. Stamets and Adira make a breakthrough with newly acquired bird data. Discuss. Now, I've only watched this episode once, so you might have to remind me of what exactly that data was that they found because, oh, was this the message from one of Saru's fellow kinspeople? It was a very short-lived moment, and unfortunately it tapped into what you picked up on last episode, which was that every time you see Adira, she's just having a moment of depression, and it was the very quick scene where she was trying to correlate all the data, had ran all these various tests, and Stamets came in and went, don't be so hard on yourself, have you tried doing this? And she said, yes, I've done that, I've done that, and he went, you do know you have to reset it every time you ask it to do a search parameter, and she went, oh, I haven't done that, and so she does that, and it worked perfectly, and she goes, oh my god, I've wasted so much time! I'm so sorry! I can't, oh, 
And then Stamets comes in and consoles her and everything, and then basically we forget that scene completely as we jump back into the main story. I really don't want Adira to be that character that I grow to find quite exhausting with the constant being fed up thing. At this moment, they've got a real shit on with the fact that the person in their head... <laughs> It takes so much concentration. Do I do, mate. Opt out. <laughs> Just opt out. The person in their head has decided to do one. If someone's in my head, presumably they will be there whenever I want them to be there because they're in my head. And therefore, if they are no longer there, it's because my brain's telling them not to be there. And therefore, in the best case scenario, I should be angry at myself. Agreed. The, the sad thing could happen where they just make this character so emotionally compromised that every fan that was excited about this character being introduced loses interest. And it's not particularly a good thing to do. Adir is not dealing differently than Jadzia Dax was dealing with stuff. I mean, I know Jadzia Dax was actually Trill. There's that difference. But in terms of being the host of a symbiont, you're always going to have this duality, aren't you? Adira isn't experiencing anything new other than trying to navigate the way through the gender side, which isn't a type of killing. I think the problem is, though, that I'm sad from time to time. Are you? I'm al- Yeah, well, I'm always grumpy. From time to time, I'm sad, but I'm also happy on days when I'm sad because during the course of a day, my life runs through the full array of emotions and I feel at the moment that that character gets one scene each episode and that one short scene in each episode is one where they're being manically depressive about something and I feel that it's making the character very one-dimensional, which I think is a shame because when Adira first came onto our screens, they had a huge amount of potential and created a nice stir about what sort of dimension they would bring to the crew. And I feel like they're underutilising it, particularly because at the moment you get five-minute scenes, but then again, every storyline seems to get a five-minute scene because I think on the back of their findings, Saru's now doing, ironically, what he keeps on telling Burnham not to do, which is go off and do his own investigation of this message, which is presumably linked to the burn and will be a fundamental part of that storyline and it's been given another short sharp shrift and just a a prediction here I suspect that in some way the burn will have been caused by the Federation and will have fundamentally affected his race of people and he will be put direct into conflict with whether or not he can continue to be a member of Starfleet given what they stand for off the back of that finding so he'll have started this episode as being Mr Starfleet and he'll end this episode possibly even not wanting to remain in Starfleet is my guess of how this is going to go. All of his brown nosing with the Admiral has gone against him because it was the Admiral who said that actually what you want to do is support your crew because if you go the Starfleet time, your crew will not respect you. And so it was the Admiral who said, actually, you should allow Burnham to do what needs to be done with, with Giorgio because although we had another episode of Panto villain acting, I thought she is still a member of the crew and she might be quite abrasive as part of her defence mechanism, which we've said before, this is the thing being with the crew has changed Giorgio whether she likes it or not and the crew like her whether she likes it or not this is what the Admiral's saying to Saru if you want to get the support of your crew and respect of your crew sometimes you need to think outside of the Starfleet box and if they use that needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few malarkey I'm going to punch someone in the face (laughs) 
The next time I see a Vulcan in the high street and he says that to me while I'm queuing for coffee, I'm going to spark him right out. Let me know right here, right now, that every time they use that one, I'm going to drag the opinion arsehole one out. So <laughs> I'm going to match them quote for quote. Every time they drag that one out, I'm using my one. That was what I thought was a nice twist. Oh, he's just been an ass kisser, hasn't he? He's been the yeah, teacher's yeah. pet, which has actually made me dislike him slightly this season. People just get bored of it. It's predictable behaviour. I mentioned just a moment ago when we were talking about Adira how I go through a full spectrum of emotions during the course of the day and sometimes I'm sad. But when I am sad, what I don't do is either take a samurai sword and start trying to slash people's heads off, nor do I start taking plates of food and start throwing them over people, which is, of course, what Giorgio does when she's being told that there is a potential solution to her illness problem. And her response to that is to promptly be, well, a dick and not even in like a it makes sense dick kind of a way I just couldn't quite understand why she felt that she needed to fight Burnham presumably it was to get Burnham to then kill her so that she doesn't have to die this painful death but why does she need to do that when there's a possibility she could be cured surely you'd want to exhaust that option first and if you are truly the evil empress ruler of all who wants to rule the world forever and find a way of cheating death like Darth Vader presumably you'd want to use every opportunity to try and fix yourself before you start doing dumb stuff like that. Well it taps into what we were talking about last episode which is if you're an actual villain you will do anything in your power for self-preservation. Giorgio is doing the least she can do to survive and wants someone to take her out by throwing a bowl of stew over Tilly. The last person who's going to kill someone. The only way Tilly would kill you is if she hugged you too hard. (laughs) Well don't know maybe she's going to change now she's uh, number one. No. (laughs) I don't think so. What I did do for due diligence, I watched this episode. Well, that would have helped, given though we're going to be talking about it for the next hour. Says you. I was actually working whilst watching this episode and I've only watched it once again because we're heading into the Christmas period and it's just mental so I was multitasking my notes which are non-existent once again for this episode having only been half watching an episode once everything that you're hearing today from me is just pure goodness from the memory banks of my brain post-it notes McGee there What I did is I watched this episode and then I went back and I watched What's Past is Prologue. Wow, get you, do some proper research. As you will know, that is the time in which we see the Mirror Universe Season 1. I wanted to see if there was any errors, which there were, because this takes place six months before What's Past is Prologue. We get to see the lead-up of what is the coup. Hang on, do I need to go and get the corks to put in my ears to stop my brain from dribbling out of my ears again? Sounds to me like you're going down this timeline route here. Maybe you should. Let's finish off what you've got on your notes because I'm sure there's a bit before this. I did mention earlier before the show that you might want to go and steady yourself with a stiff (laughs) drink. Well, the good news is I finished my notes about five minutes after you finished your intro. My notes were The Burn, Saru, Giorgio, Mirror Universe, Adira. (laughs) That's how many words I've used as well. So we've wrapped up my notes. Did you want to add anything before we get deep? Well, I don't think there was an awful lot to talk about beyond the Mirror Universe bit. And when I say the Mirror Universe bit, we'll obviously start at where Burnham and Giorgio, as you quite aptly put it, land on Narnia, which did feel very festive, I have to say. I don't know whether they did that on purpose, knowing that this episode was landing in December. I got that warm. I thought thought, thought Giorgio was going to appear with bauble earrings. (laughs) 
<laughs> and burn him a Santa hat. <laughs> oh, mate, you know Jojo's not getting any presents from Santa. She's going to get cold. She's probably slept with Santa. She's emptied his sacks. <laughs> oh, you've just spoiled it for all the children. Oh, Captain Mando's not happy. <laughs> He'll be writing in. He's going, what do you mean? Santa's not real. (laughs) There wasn't an awful lot in this episode beyond the Mirror Universe storyline. As I say, the Stamets episode where they find out the message lasted about two minutes. Sru deciding he was going to do the investigation lasted two minutes. The conversation with Starfleet over whether or not they should pursue this potential cure lasted about five minutes. It took Colbert about 30 seconds to find a cure beyond Section 31's immense database of non Knowledge, which again kind of shows the short sharp shrift they give to credibility with solving problems with the likes of next gen you'd have a problem like this at the beginning of the episode and it'd take them the full episode if not longer to find the solution whereas in this new version of star trek it's there's a problem exists and five seconds later someone's given you a solution and then it's the story's more about how they implement that solution as opposed to how they get to it and i think they use use the sphere data which goes back to a question i asked you and the answer you gave me at the time was it's a hundred thousand years old from the point of a hundred thousand years of its origin within discovery's timeline but they seem to use the sphere data to come to the conclusion of where the answer is which raises is the sphere been around for a hundred thousand years but able to jump around time i don't know uh the short answer is it's the mcguffin isn't it it's the same thing as the spore drive the sphere and the spore drive based basically enable them to do anything and everything in the blink of an eye which saves any heavy lifting to do the dirty work but the problem is that that heavy lifting is quite often the most satisfying element of the story arc and actually the implementation and the doing of it is almost the climax to the heavy lifting whereas they kind of do it the other way they spend no time on the heavy lifting bit they go straight to the climax and quite often the problem then is that it doesn't feel earned when they're trying to get us in emotionally invested in what it is that's required to implement that solution and this was another example it's like oh we don't know how to solve this problem well don't worry we've got a sphere and the sphere if you could just no don't go in that file because that's a little bit weird that file and no don't go in that one because that's porn you really don't want to watch oh yes no use this folder because this folder's got the answer to the question that we need don't go in the folder that says private (laughs) special occasions yeah yeah, five minute entries. <laughs> I totally agree with what you're saying. The sad thing is the viewer wants to be involved in the minutiae of the decision making. They want to be embroiled in whether you're going to actually achieve what you're trying to do. That was the whole point of the episodes of Next Gen, Deep Space Nine, is you were taken on that journey. I suppose the build up to see what the outcome would be. But now because of restrictions of time with too many story arcs, they need to use these MacGuffins to wrap them all up in a little bow. Yeah. It's... <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> just because I've done another screenshot. You just... <laughs> Uh, so for the record people whenever you see these screenshots on social media i do them without giving him any forewarning which drives him nuts because he likes to make sure that his beard's in the right place and his hair's combed and his makeup's on but i don't like to give him any of those chances because i'm just generally a mean human being when you're an ugly person you have to do your best oh well i've given up that's why i just take the screenshots so whenever you see a screenshot there is absolutely no forewarning for mark in fact there's no permission given i've i've used it taking it without his consent it is tantamount to spying 
Yes, thank you, Facebook. <laughs> or Siri. Or Siri, yeah, or don't get him started. Yeah. I didn't even really understand when we landed on the planet. I mean, let's ignore the fact that Giorgio was just generally acting like a bit of a douche on the ship. He'd land on this planet. I thought the planet was cool because it felt all Christmas and festive, which was nice. No idea who the dude was that was sitting there. Quite liked him, though. I thought his character was cool. I quite liked his bants. The door was obviously an intriguing concept. We're all thinking, oh, it's going to take you back in time to somewhere. I just didn't know whether it was going to be back in time to the mirror universe or whether it's going to be back in time to the alternate universe, as it were, the prime universe. But I quite enjoyed that. I've got no idea who he was, got no idea what his species is, what his purpose is. They kind of missed all that unless I wasn't paying attention when they filled those blanks in. I think he's just a gatekeeper. This had a city on the edge of forever vibe to it, the door being the gateway to another time. Right. I don't think specifically they were trying to explain who he was because that just adds another thing that you've got to then address in the episode. I think he's just merely, keep saying, our cipher characters, a character that's been written to move the story on. You can't do that though. He's he's a massive character. He's been in loads of stuff. It was a really interesting part. I mean, he almost had like a Q vibe to him and what, we're just going to go, no, don't, don't look at that. Don't ask any questions. Let's ignore that. Ignore that you've just seen that really good character. We're not interested in that what we're interested in is going back to the shitty mirror universe and doing another shitty mirror universe episode well he is a good character because i know him from csi miami do you remember him in that yeah i do yeah just felt that was a bit of a shame because we don't know who he is and therefore i don't understand where he fits in and it doesn't really matter anymore because we've moved on because <laughs> she went through the door pretty sharpish and now it went from moving all these storylines forward to we're just going to move the mirror universe story along and with the way that this episode finishes it seems likely that the next episode is also going to be a mirror universe episode there's a two-parter isn't it but that then means what we're on to episode 10 which leaves three more episodes and we're at the end of the season we still have got no idea about the burn it's like okay we're not leaving ourselves an awful lot of time here what it does show two things is if you can explain what's happened to Giorgio across two episodes then what you needed was four episodes in the season kind of explains the second point which is you've had 13 episodes to just babble on nothing of value in relation to the main story arcs how do we get home what caused the burn and then Giorgio being in this timeline if you've got three episodes left which could well be 50 minute episodes but you've got to explain the burn what caused the burn and how do you leave the end of the season so it ties everything up in a nice little bow because this clearly is the backdoor episode for Giorgio to go into the section 31 series yeah there's two ways of looking at this episode number one is as you say it's her ability to get out of the discovery episodes and into the new series the second one is obviously there's something going on because she's changing the timeline although do we think it's real anyway we'll come to that in a moment i'll leave you to try and explain all of that nonsense and then obviously the third is that it's the bog standard throw mirror universe episode into the season which they've obviously done quite a lot in discovery and they've obviously historically done in the other series for me they were always my lesser enjoyable episodes of the Mirror Universe. I didn't really want to know about this universe. I didn't really care. I didn't want to see these characters that I'd grown to love being baddies, but in a ridiculously panto-like way and being obviously polar opposites to how they are. I always find the Mirror Universe ridiculous that in another universe, all the same people were all in the same place, but just with a (laughs) moustache. 
<laughs> or a scar. Or a scar. Or a goatee. This is interesting because I love the Mirror Universe. It Conflict and disagreement. Back. We love I it. Well, Brace yourselves, kids. I'm just about <laughs> to give Mark we, a kick we, in here. We tend to agree most of the time, so it's nice to have a difference of opinion on this episode. The Mirror Universe ones always pose the what-if scenario, similar to what Marvel is doing with the actual show called What If. Is not a sponsor? Get on board. <laughs> Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Don't get on board Mickey Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> That's just wrong, children. Go on, tell me why you're wrong. In the middle universe, I'm right. I enjoyed it was because it just showed an alternative version of the characters that you knew. And the reason it worked for me, each of the episodes, is because you'd already built up an understanding of the characters that you were seeing every week. But it also, it's an established place, the mirror universe. Seeing it from the very, very beginning with the original series, you're entering into a universe that is established. You know the characters, you know how their prime characters operate. And for me, I just quite liked the fact that we able to visit the alternative versions and see how they are so how do we feel what we've just witnessed in this episode is going to change anything because she kills Stamets at the very end of this episode and he was the one who was in the mycelial network using it for the purposes of the spore drive experiment although they were trying to create a weapon as opposed to a, a propulsion system and he's now obviously dead and therefore unable to do that which changes the whole timeline for what happened to Colbert what happened at the end when Lorca got killed it kind of changes absolutely everything doesn't it and because season one we spent a good three or four episodes in the mirror universe it was quite intrinsic to the whole story arc of that season there has to be some sort of knock-on effect because as you say what happened in season one happens after this event that we've seen in this episode. This is the part where your brain explodes out your ears because in this episode we cover the Kelvin timeline the Prime timeline, the Mirror Universe timeline. David Cronenberg is wheeled back in to explain why she's phasing out of existence. We also find out why Spock died. Go through those things that you've just mentioned then just for the benefit of anyone else who is struggling to comprehend all of this like I am. So after this episode I watched the other episode which was in the Mirror Universe, what's past as prologue Try to explain a couple of episodes to you, but I think you went into a coma and I was playing whale music to you. The Prime Universe is what we're currently in and Picard is in. Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Enterprise, the original series, the animated series, all Prime. The Kelvin timeline is the J.J. Abrams films. As you've mentioned, I noted that Commander Landry, who we'll know from being one of the security officers who I believe was eaten by the Dustmite, then she was killed in the episode What's Past as Prologue when the Discovery flies into the main ship, the Sharon. Stamets is killed. Owo, who's now the chief security officer in the Mirror Universe timeline, she was killed in what's past as prologue. This episode apparently is six months before Lorca is planning a coup with Burnham. All Mirror Universe characters, for the benefit of not getting confused, because Stamets is killed very early on, she's created a branch timeline, which means that things will go a different way than they planned in the Mirror Universe. Does that now create a third universe? It creates another timeline. Let's go back to the beginning of this episode. David Cronenberg, when he 
he's trying to explain the reason why he brings up this computer generated version of your hold on to your pants boys and girls he is from the future of the Kelvin universe 2379 Chris Pine's period but of next generation era in the same timeline in the prime universe 2379 that is the time when data dies in Nemesis some of the fans will go well hang on a minute that time character called your who is a beetle Gusian if you wanted to know what a species was they say well hang on a minute he's wearing the first season next generation uniform it's not actually wrong because the acronistic mistakes that you would find would probably mean that in the Kelvin time they could use that uniform and that badge I think is a year before when Lower Decks is set you can't yeah. see this but I'm pulling a face at the minute which suggests that I've started to develop a headache and you've explained it very well there so I am on board with it I get it but there's an awful lot to it that's the bit within the Kelvin timeline but it also taps into what we've already heard about time accords and time agents it taps into Enterprise and stuff like that this also explains why we lose Spock apart from the fact sadly that he died in real life because he more or less had the same illnesses as Giorgio right in this episode they make reference to the fact that your your me you your character your He's a farmer in the West Country. <laughs> He'd had an incursion with the Romulan mining ship, which is literally the start of Star Trek, the J.J. Abrams film. Right. And that's what they're referring to. You know it's the Kelvin timeline. They can explain why Spock died, because in his course of Star Trek, the original series and the films, has been back in time, been on the Mirror Universe, has been in this new Kelvin timeline. They very cleverly wrapped up why he was dying because of the similar illness to Giorgio. And the temporal accords, I think he says, is ironclad. The theory is that it gives the temporal sickness she has to go back to the mirror universe which is why I'm thinking this has to be a backdoor episode for her section 31 series that if she remains where she is now she will die. Are they saying that the illness that she died from is a deliberate illness that's almost a fail safe if people breach the accord then? An illness that's created by whizzing across time and universes she's jumping from a mirror universe where she's established into the prime universe and then going into the future. Those two elements elements have created this illness. How do you think they're going to tie this in with the Section 31 then? Because there's going to have to be some link to the Prime Universe with this, but if she can't now leave her universe without facing the same potential consequences that she's trying to escape from now, well, it's going to be a short-lived appearance in the Section 31 episodes. She has been affected directly by being on Discovery. You see that in the way she's presenting her character, who they all believe to be as she was she is behaving slightly different than when she would be because of how the crew of Discovery have affected her by how they are, I suppose. And so when she's given opportunities to kill people, you and I both know if it was the Mirror Universe as it is, she would have no hesitation in killing whoever it is. Whereas now, although she kills Stamets, that's only because she has prior knowledge of what he will do in the future. In six months' time, she knows that Burnham, Lorca and Stamets are all going to have a coup. So originally, in the original timeline, how did Stamets then survive with the attempted assassination that he tries to carry out in this episode because he's still around in the six months later period to help Lorca with the attempted coup but yet in this episode he's the one who tries to kill Giorgio and because Giorgio is around in six months time one can only assume he fails and in failing presumably she would have killed him that time as well well he's dead in both versions of that she's created another branch timeline so 
the six months that we see in season one still happens by the fact that Stamets is killed very early on in this episode it prevents him from assisting the crew of Discovery she's taken herself out of that universe she didn't exist in that universe because she knows stuff of the future instead of letting it play out naturally she's acted upon that information creating a brand new future this is the thing that's got me confused because she's now in the mirror universe she can't go back through the door because going back through the door isn't an option because there is no door to go back through so in order to go back to what we're calling the prime universe she's going to have to find another way of doing it and that isn't necessarily a feasible option on top of which you've got the fact that in the mirror universe section 31 doesn't exist because there is no Starfleet so she's going to have to get back into the prime universe and if she does she's going to have the same issue that she had this first time round this is actually a difficult one to call although I'm not entirely certain I'm 100% arsed at this moment I mean I just I just yeah it's it felt like it was trying to show us that she's changed although ironically in the prime universe you don't really see a huge amount of change she's still as bad as she's ever been except for the fact she can't go around killing people but she's never been able to go around just killing people in the prime universe because she knows she wouldn't get away with it so she's had to correct herself on that front and that's not because she's become a good person it's largely because she knows the world doesn't work or rather that universe doesn't work in the same way as hers does she's now back in this universe and the now show in the way in which the characters changed but again she seems to have this relationship with the evil Burnham as though evil Burnham is Prime Universe Burnham she became fond of Prime Universe Burnham because Prime Universe Burnham no matter how many times she shafted her still sort of stood by her and still showed her mercy whereas evil Universe Burnham hasn't got that in her at all the two versions mirror each other because actually in the mirror universe she's her daughter in the prime universe Giorgio is like a mother figure to Burnham one of the scenes where they're all kind of walking together on the desert in this episode mirrored the first episode of season one where Burnham and Giorgio are on the planet walking across the sand where the tiny similarities between the characters even though the different versions of each other the interesting thing that I picked up on is I noticed that in the episode Watch Pastors Prologue Burnham's hairstyle is different to what it is now and there's only six months difference between the two we realise we we commented on episode one of this show Burnham had a year to grow her locks out the hairstyle throws up another acronistic issue which is did she grow her hair into braids within six months not a year the mind boggles the mind boggles <laughs> hairdressers get in touch let us know I mean it's amazing how the Murray universe functions just generally because everyone just constantly like constantly tries to kill one another they're walking down the corridor and you've got the two security officers now having a full on fist fight just because one of them wants the job of the other one and it's like for fucks seriously is there absolutely no way in which you guys can go through a single day without trying to kill each other presumably it must get exhausting at some point one assumes that you need to take your foot off the pedal that it's not always in everybody's interest because no sooner do you take that position What's to say that in under 24 hours another nugget comes along and tries to do the same thing to you? Which I think is part of the reason why I get a bit exasperated with the Mirror Universe because it just feels a bit stupid and a bit daft sometimes with that. I quite liked the adversarial approach to it all really where they're not following the Prime Directive and they're not having to follow protocols. If you don't like someone, you just shoot them in the face. (laughs) I keep pushing for an online petition for a purge day. (laughs) Get your name on the government website. Website. That's a, what's that? <laughs> You've made me eyeballs sting. <laughs> 
Sorry, I premature. <laughs> Moving on. Catchphrase, McGee. Yeah. Moving on. That's your catchphrase when you're on the bridge of the ship. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> the interesting thing I enjoyed is bringing in the Kelvin universe. First of all, they understand it exists and it's recognised within the Prime and Mirror universes. But also, it means that there exists in this universe a Jean-Luc Picard, Catherine Janeway, Cisco, all of the characters that we are familiar with, or at least it would allude to the fact that they exist. I didn't think this was a particularly bad episode. As I say, it's not my favourite episode of the Mirror universe first ones i think where i feel slightly disappointed is that the last episode was such a shambolic shit show i kind of i kind of wanted to get that back on track one of our main complaints throughout this entire season has been that this has just been a comfy slippers season of normal star trek tropey episodes and when you throw in a mirror universe jobby well you do the same thing again aren't you there's no other way of describing it you are creating a another bog standard star trek mirror episode middle of the season story arc I'm kind of wanting them just to do something a bit special just for me but with only four more episodes left in this season they have run out of time because I can't for the life of me think they're going to do any of the existing storylines any justice in that short space of time not when some of the better TV series that we watch spend 12 episodes building up a single story arc Mm, it's sad it's not something we've not said before is it did you have any other points to raise? Because I mean, hang on, I let mean, me refer to my notes. <laughs> There's a full stop that I didn't address, but I'm all right. We'll 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 leave that. Most of this episode was about the Mirror Universe. Because it's a two-part, it's left in the air, isn't it? Tilly's a right bitch it's in the Mirror Universe, isn't she? Having seen the other episode, she's put some beef on. <laughs> We all have. It's locked down. There's a few characters that we didn't see previously because Burnham we haven't seen in the Mirror Universe before because she was dead the first time we were in the Mirror Universe. She wasn't dead, was she? They didn't know where she was. That was why Burnham was able to infiltrate just to ruin people's minds. So at this moment in time, Lorca isn't in the Prime Universe. Is he still in this Mirror Universe? Because I did wonder whether we were going to see him at the end of this episode do, do a mass appearance, you know, when they were building up to the attempted assassination I thought are we going to find Lorca because we loved Lorca I thought he was a great character and I was gutted when they killed him off I actually liked him as a captain as well oh I did I thought it brought another dynamic the captain's characteristics and traits are always something I find really interesting to see how they will run their crew and how they deal with the crew so yeah I mean I think Lorca was another really strong captain where they're set in this particular time frame 2255 Lorca's not with them he's I think he's on the flagship the ISS Sharon I thought he was going to show an appearance and the reason we know this having seen the episode what past his prologue he actually tells them that he's endured one year and 212 days of torture yeah the other yeah yeah <laughs> just yeah, yeah boy. <laughs> It's, it's just exhausting, isn't it? The other thing I, I noticed was we got the security officer back again. You mentioned her earlier, who gets eaten by the dust mite. Now, I remember reading an article when season one first came out, which said that she was royally pissed because they killed her off so quickly. I don't know whether this says a lot about how much work she's got going on at the minute, that she seemed to have buried that hatchet so that she could do the odd random Mirror Universe appearance 
parents just to top up the old bank account before getting killed off again or disappearing into the abyss. She's been killed a few times now, hasn't she? Twice. Mirror Universe and and the Prime Universe. What they've actually done is an opportunity to bring him back because he's not in the Prime Universe yet. It's six months before the coup. If she's changed how things will go by killing Stamets, Lorca may get wind of this, get off the ship or whatever, wherever he is, and we may see his character in Section 31. Yeah, well, do we think they're going to kill off the security guard for a third time? Hat trick, match ball. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it'll be funny if she does because she'll be like I don't even know why I suggested this gig I end up getting killed they just treat me like shit every time I come they just they yeah. just want to kill me I actually quite so, liked her character I mean, in season one I, like in the prime universe ignoring the mirror universe I thought was it the two and a bit episodes that she was in I, I thought she was quite a, a spunky security officer I was quite interested yeah. to see how she played out and then they just went see ya bye <laughs> Maybe they were trying to be, you know, like you've said a couple of times, Game of Thrones-esque. You never knew who was safe and everyone was making sure they read the contracts properly. The small print in their contracts of employment saying, brackets, you may die early on. Well, they've obviously had that clause removed because no bugger gets killed anymore. Not anyone of note anyway. This is the Giorgio of New who, I think there's another way. Snoresville, just decapitate him. Yeah. So should we move on to Easter eggs then? I'm sure there's plenty in this episode. <laughs> They've certainly managed to dip into all of the canon in some form or another. The Gamma Quadrant gets mentioned. The planet Danis 5 is where they visit. That was exciting. We mentioned that the other day, didn't we? That we wanted more to happen in Deep Space and Nine. Episode 1 of this season refers to the nearest wormhole being 100 light years away, which would most likely be the Bajorn wormhole where Deep Space Nine sat outside. I just wish they would make use of things like the Gamma Quadrant that they've not really gone back to. Anyway, hopefully maybe the writers will take note of our podcast because they are eager fans, I believe. They always listen to us. And hopefully we'll get more references to the Gamma Quadrants or the Delta Quadrants or even species that have ventured through. Oh my God. Maybe Captain Mando is actually Jonathan Frakes in disguise because he's now not Commander William Riker, is he? He's Captain. He's Captain. He's Captain. So maybe Captain Mando is really Jonathan Frakes, which is why he liked the last episode because of course he did. He did it. It's all unraveling Jonathan case closed you've been sounded out oh, yeah. son no that makes perfect sense <laughs> oh one of the things we haven't mentioned we get to see the evil dot bots the ones that were repairing the ship well they're only evil because they've got red eyes That's I probably wasn't evil. paying attention to that I was probably doing some work at that moment that was obviously a scene that I need to now go and rewatch. <laughs> I remembered that you'd mentioned in previous episodes about the worker bees and these little ones that were cleaning up do you think they mumble and grumble and moan while they're cleaning up because they're evil bots so they still do it but they go oh fucking messy bastard oh scruffing really I think they do and then if they get really angry just have a piss of oil they just piss oil (laughs) in the bed (laughs) no in the bed (laughs) so you've got this perfectly made bed you pull the sheets back and there's just this big pool of oil on your mattress dirty protest (laughs) they take photographs of it and post it all over social media they go this was Tilly's bed Killy's bed. Well, that's the other Easter egg. Thank you, sir. There's a reason why you get paid the big bucks. Killy's actually gets given her proper title. Fans of the show will remember. Was it season one? Yeah. Giorgio jokes about Tilly being called Killy. In the Mirror Universe episode called Despite Yourself, Captain Killy is the name of the person in that episode. We've obviously mentioned about Mira Landry, the lady who is a Battlestar Galactica veteran. Rekra Sharma, the lady's name is. And we haven't seen her since season one in the coup when she gets killed. 
killed in the <laughs> Again. universe, as we've already mentioned. <laughs> Lorca's coup, as referenced, gives a backstory to his coup, 2255. The door that we see, which is a bit like Narnia, doesn't register on Burnham's trailer. And this is a reference to Guardian of Forever, the original series episode, City on the Edge of Forever, when Spock says, for this to do what it does, it does is impossible by any science I understand. In other words, as Burnham quite succinctly put it, it's not registered on the tricorder. <laughs> Which shows just how far script writings come when they've gone, yeah, we need to dumb this shit right down. Well, there's a big difference between that wonderful phrase and, yeah, it's not working. (laughs) (laughs) New phases, we've seen them before on the intro to the show, but actually we get to see them now. The new phaser morphed into Giorgio's wrist, which I thought was a bit weird, but when you see the fact that she's phasing in and out of time, to put something on her arm that would just fall off seems a bit weird. I don't know, it sounds harmless to me. Hey! Oh, geez, someone's been writing comedy. David Cronenberg, his character Kovic, mentions both the Temple Wars and the Temple Accords. This has been uh, across the season quite a lot, and mentions the interdimensional displacement restriction, uh, which prevents people from going to or from parallel universes on purpose. If you remember the episode that Daniels appeared in, the Temple Accords existed sometime in the 31st century, so this would work quite well in terms of time, which is roughly 100 years before the events of Season 3 Discovery and most likely before the burn happened. As we've mentioned in the season, the Temple Wars probably means the Temple Cold War was seen through Enterprise series. Enterprise is before Star Trek Discovery, I think 10 years before the original series, for those who have forgotten. We've covered more than your brain will tolerate the Kelvin universe situation, so we ain't going to go into that, because I might get one of those evil bots just to clear up your mush off the floor. It'll mumble and grumble and then do a dirty protest in my bed. No change there. It's not like a proper deep Yorkshire accent. I think you'll... You can fuck right (laughs) off. I think you'll find there's a folder in the sphere which says dirty protest fault. (laughs) Where all those images are kept. It'll be a subfolder because that's one you want to keep well away from your wife. (laughs) Maybe a pile of shit on a table will be a referral to last week's episode. (laughs) It's definitely like watching one for 40 minutes. One of the writers has just taken a massive shit on a script. <laughs> anyway, Owo is the chief of security on the Sharon. Let's hope she doesn't get killed because we know what happens to chief of securities. Oh, this is the other thing as well. The Vahari was mentioned. In season two of Discovery, we find out the Vahari processes, which is the puberty side of things. It's Saru's big swollen things falling out. <laughs> Yeah, it's when he goes from being a scary cat to a knob. (laughs) That wasn't the word I thought you were going to use, but yeah, we'll we'll accept that. seems that the Mirror Universe, Giorgio, has taken the role of the bowel. Did she only know about this process because of her time on the Prime Universe? Yeah, absolutely. We don't hear about it at all in the Mirror Universe. We do get to witness some dangly ganglia. We do. Saru comes to the aid of another Kelpian who's been about to be made into a broth. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it always makes me chuckle it doesn't matter how many times that happens it always makes me laugh there's a prefix code that we saw for like 30 seconds where Adira and Stamets are trying to locate the Kelpian ship and they mention it has a prefix code to open the backdoor systems reference to the Wrath of Khan where Kirk uses the prefix code on the USS Reliance to order the ship to lower its shields Epsilon Indy 4 Killy references the star system it was referenced in the original series episode and the children shall leave Something that we, or in fact, I think you mentioned in a previous episode is the huge, the huge title, the Empress 
Giorgio Getz. It's much akin to my brother-in-law's full name, which I probably mentioned at that time. I can mention it. Get yeah, please do. No, it warrants being read out again, my friend. It was mentioned twice in this episode, so they felt it of value. Her full title is Her Most Imperial Majesty, Mother of the Fatherland, Overlord of Vulcan, Dominus of Kronos, Regina Andor, Philippa Giorgio Augustus Laponius Centaurius. There you go. <laughs> And this title was in the Discovery episode, Vaulting Ambition. The backstory of Giorgio seems to foreshadow the Mirror Universe scene on Deep Space Nine. And in the christening scene, we get the recreation, in fact, of Giorgio's ascension to being the Emperor of the Terran Empire. One aspect of this part has to do with her totally dominating the Klingons. In the Mirror Universe, we see the Klingon-Cardassian alliance eventually being destroyed by the Terran Empire, so that just indicates that the Klingons were harbouring a hundred-year grudge. Sounds like me, that. Yeah, well, you were talking about grudges last episode, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. This episode also was a link to how the Mirror Universe version of Kirk is in the episode Mirror Mirror, which sparked off the entire universe in this episode of Discovery, where Giorgio spares Burnham's life, similar to how Kirk spared Chekhov's life. And I don't mind it doing that. I don't want the whole show to be a complete nod to canon. Particularly with Mirror Universe episodes, I think if you're not familiar with the show, and like Matt, for example, he hadn't seen all the things we'd seen. So he was like one of the fresh fans of the show. If he's not seen the original series, or in fact any of the other shows, he might be thinking, what's this about? I think it's good to go back to canon to remind people of what happened. That is all I had. Very good. What would you give (laughs) this episode out of 10 then? What's your score? This week I've scored at 7. And the reason why I've scored at 7, I personally, as I've already said, enjoy the Mirror Universe episodes. They're wholesome, they're singular, they're unencumbered by subplots. As I said earlier, it has the what-if scenario is how the crew would behave outside of the political dimensions of Starfleet and the Prime Directive. And I like those things. I also like the fact that we only had two story arcs to talk about and it wasn't overwhelming with plots. Okay. What about you? I'm going to give this a 6. It was substantial better than last week so it was only going to be up from there it's as you say it's a solid episode there's not huge amounts wrong with it i'm a bit lukewarm on the old mirror universe thing i'm not necessarily sure i want or need the storyline and direction that it's heading for this as i think we've both supposed this is just purely going to be a means of bridging Giorgio from discovery onto the section 31 spin-off which kind of feels like a bit of a cheap publicity promo stunt as opposed to being a storyline that's in the interest and to the benefit of Discovery but by the same token it was watchable. I am going to watch it a second time this time without a computer in front of me so I can give it my full attention and I don't mind doing that whereas getting me to watch last week's episode a second time would be tantamount to torture in my opinion. Agreed. So we've dished ourselves up some wonderful comments on this episode if you want to get your comments read out on the show if you want to let us know why you agree with us or more particularly why you disagree with us like captain mando did get in touch with us on social media we're on instagram facebook and twitter it's picard talk if you want to vote there is a poll up at the minute on twitter where you can let us know what you think about the episode do vote on that too if you want 
to send us an email, picardtalk at thepodstation.co.uk, although quite frankly that's an awful lot more effort than I feel we deserve. If you're a sponsor and you want to send us an email to ask where you would like us to receive the cheque, then feel free to do so. That's always nice. These things cost us money and it's always nice if we can perhaps do more of it and expand it and develop it further with the support of a business who gets some nice promo from our listenership, i.e. you guys. Thank you very much for listening as always. Hopefully you've enjoyed the episode. We will probably catch you, well we will catch you next time, I'll say probably. Hopefully you'll subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms so that it will appear and download when we drop the episodes and I guess we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Away team out. (laughs) 